0: Proverbs. So uh, come and join us if you can. Then uh, our our mission team that's headed to Zambia. Um, they left on Friday and they're going to go work in an orphanage over there that we've been working with for a few years. And Pastor Mike and uh, Pastor Max are there with a team of people. But uh, they didn't make it, so they're they're stuck in London right now, oh, <laughs> which is. Uh, frustrating to say the least. So they're, they're in London. Uh, they did put them up in a hotel, so they got some sleep, but they're going to be leaving in, in about three or four hours trying to get back down to Johannesburg, and then they fly from Johannesburg up to Zambia. So a little delay there, but uh, the God knows. God knows these things, so we try not to worry too much. Um, but if you want to worry about them, I hope you'll just pray. Uh, we need, we need you guys praying this week and next week for them. God has a plan for them and a purpose for them. And we, we always know what that purpose is. We're going to be doing some VBS stuff over there and, um, working with the orphans, but you know, God always has things and he always has, there's always obstacles. And of course there's the evil one who is always looking to thwart, um, God's plans. And so please just stand in, in prayer for them this week and next week that, uh, that uh, we they can't do it without us. It's like, it's how it works. So don't neglect that. Um, then lastly, um, we're going to have the Lord's Supper after uh, Pastor Fred preaches. So prepare your hearts for that. Uh, prepare your hearts to worship the Lord in those ways and, and uh, get your heart ready to do that. Let's stand up and worship the Lord. God, thank you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus, Lord, to... As you looked down and you saw us in our desperate need of you, Lord, that we could never be right with you unless you came down. We could never we could never be in standing with you unless you came down. We could we could never be out of your wrath, Lord, unless you came down, Lord, and we could certainly never go to heaven unless you came down and died on the cross for us and paid for our sins, Lord. So God, I just pray that as we stand here on our feet this morning, waiting to worship you, waiting to hear from you, Lord, that we would we would just confess our sin that you already paid for and lay our burdens down that you know about and that we would just lay everything at your feet, Lord, knowing that you died on the cross for us. And thank you for dying on the cross for us. Let us worship you and obey you today. Amen.
1: Let's sing together this morning. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. in the Lord this morning. All right, it's great to see you encouraging one another. Let's return. Let's sing about our God who's worthy of it all. Last week, Pastor Mike pointed us to this concept of unabashed worship that we see in Matthew 26. So let's sing this morning together. Was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper. A woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Of course, we know the disciples fussed about it, but Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. He's indeed.
2: Good morning everyone today's another beautiful day in uh, paradise of Casper Wyoming right uh, every every summer we just really enjoy the weather here of course um, many years ago we we moved up from Mexico and we had this kind of weather pretty much year round pretty nice uh, dry we were up in the mountains but end of it all is God is good to us and we just praise him this morning. We'd like to pray for our team that's on mission as they go to Zambia. Uh, They're probably already kind of tired out from traveling but they've got like an 11-hour flight down to Johannesburg and then they'll be flying up to Zambia from there. Uh, God, it has to be about God this trip. They, uh, I know they prepared well. They prayed a lot, and uh, God is going to use them in an amazing way. They'll be preaching. They'll be teaching. They'll be sharing. They'll be working in the orphanage, and um, let's just let's just back them up in prayer uh, this morning. God is—he's just an amazing God. Uh, I hope you were here for Sunday school. I, I. Ended up joining the class that's in here, and uh, you know it's all about learning from God, uh, learning Scripture, and uh, just the power in that is just amazing. So let's let's pray, let's ask God to work through our team over in Zambia. Father, I lift up Pastor Mike and Max and Pat Elbogan, his his wife, and the others that are there. Uh, They're all just servants. They're going because you've called them, Lord. And we want to just back them up in prayer. Now that you would use them for your glory as they share their lives with these people, that they would be humble about it, that you would be glorified, and that the whole mission trip would be just an amazing time. Help them to share the gospel with people that they run into here and there. And that you would be receiving all the glory, Lord. Lord, and help us this week to be a light in the darkness right here in Casper. Father, it's just a, a blessing to be serving you and walking with you each day. You gave your life so that we might have life. And I pray also for this message today that your hand would be on your servant. That we would hear from you the Holy Spirit would be at work in our lives. We're just thankful for Pastor Fred that's coming today. Also we're thankful for the opportunity to give. So we give our offering this morning. May it be a blessing. May it be used for your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Men, you can come forward.
1: Thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. i buy for a good deal. Be seated,
2: Dr. Fred. Come on up, um, Dr. Fred. He's in charge of uh, our seminary uh, extension here in Wyoming. Um, he also gives a great Bible study every spring over at Hilltop Baptist. And this morning we have him to serve us.
3: May the Lord's servant be blessed as he comes. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Turn your Bibles to the book of Ruth. And we'll be looking at a few verses in Ruth chapter 1. It's great to be with you. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the church, your ministry, the fellowship with your pastors. It's just Very thankful to be here. Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. And we will look at verse 15. Look at verse 15, and we'll move on from there. And she said, see your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death departs me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, No more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter in law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Naomi was living the good life, the dream of every Jewish girl. She had a home, she had a husband, and she had two healthy sons. She had a couple grandkids. And THE HOPE OF COMFORT AND COMPANIONSHIP AND SECURITY IN OLD AGE. NAOMI COULD SEE HERSELF AGING GRACEFULLY, SITTING ON THE ROOF WITH with HER HUSBAND, SHELLING PEAS WITH HER DAUGHTERS-IN-LAW, AND WATCHING HER STRONG AND HEALTHY BOYS FROLIC WITH HER GRANDCHILDREN. SHE WOULD GROW OLD ONE DAY. SHE WOULD DIE ONE DAY. BUT SHE WOULD GROW OLD AND DIE IN THE COMFORT OF HER HOME with all her family gathered around her. Until then, she would enjoy what life had to offer. We all have expectations of what our lives will be like. We'll grow up healthy and strong. We'll get the job that we always wanted. We'll find somebody wonderful to marry Our lives will be filled with children and houses and cars and pay raises and hunting trips and golf games and a healthy nest egg for retirement, the good health to do what we want to do until someday when we're really, really old, we'll die peacefully, surrounded by lots of family members and friends. Other people may never get married, but we will. And other people may never have children, but we will. And other people may never get the job that they wanted, but we will. And other people may never have their dreams fulfilled, but, but we will. We'll enjoy the good life until when we're really, really old, God takes us home. And we sometimes look at Bible characters as if they are special We know the beginning of their lives, and we know the ending of their lives, and we know the steps along the way. We're not shocked when the crises come. We know that Noah will survive the flood. We know that Sarah will have a son. We know that Joseph will become ruler in Egypt. We know that Moses will cross the Red Sea. We know that Joshua will conquer Jericho. We know that Ruth will marry Boaz. We know that Naomi will have a grandson. We know that Hannah will have a child. And we know that David will survive the attacks from King Saul and become king. We know what will happen. And we sometimes assume that the Bible characters knew what would happen. We know the beginning. We know the ending. We know the steps along the way. And we sometimes assume that they knew the beginning and the ending and the steps along the way. But we must remember that the Bible characters are just like we are. They were scared. They were vulnerable. They were seeking security. They looked for security in lots of places. And they found that security is in God alone. I think, you know, the the lesson, the prime lesson I may have learned in 67 years, and I'm I'm, I'm hard of learning, I I am, but the one lesson I may have learned in 67 years is the only security we have is in God. It's not our health that can be taken away in a moment. It's not our wealth that can be taken away in a moment. It's not the house we live in. It can be taken away in a moment. It's not even the family that we enjoy because our family can be taken away in a moment. When we look back on life and see all the steps on life, we begin to recognize that God is the only security, has always been the only security that we have. The book of Ruth is one of the shortest books of the Bible. And if you're not careful, you might even pass over it without even seeing it. But it's a wonderful book. About a time when the judges ruled, the dark ages of Israel's history, the days of chaos and lawlessness and anarchy and apostasy, the days when men and women gave themselves over to sin, the days when God brought judgment again and again, the days of evil and spiritual darkness, days when everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Actually, it sounds a little bit like the world that we live in today. But then, it's a wonderful little book about three insignificant people. Oh, we know they're heroes today. They didn't know they were heroes. Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz who never understood what God was doing in their lives, who never knew that they would be famous and who never knew that they would be Bible heroes and who never knew that their lives would be studied by generations of Jewish and Gentile believers. It's a wonderful little book about a sovereign God who's always at work. Even when we can't see him working and even when we have no idea what he's doing, I promise you... you've lived a Christian life any length of time, you've come to places where you did not know what God was doing. And you've come to places where you had no idea that where he was taking you and where he had taken you from. You're just sort of in in the fog. You're just walking along. But we recognize that our God is sovereign. And even throughout this book, we find that God is there all the time. The book begins with famine, famine in the land of Canaan. Rainfall has always been precious in Canaan. The dry season extends from June to September. No rain falls. The creeks dry up. The grass turns brown, and the ground becomes hard and cracked, sort of like Wyoming. And then the early rains, they begin in late October, and they extend into the winter. And then the late rains come in March and April. And if the early rains don't come, and if the late rains don't come, the grazing ground dries up, and the crops don't grow. The people were dependent on God for rain. Why did God place them in the land of Canaan? Because there was little natural irrigation Why did God place them in the land of Canaan? Because they had to depend on him for water. And they didn't want to depend on him for water, but they had to depend on him for water because there was no other source. You know, the people were dependent on God for rain, but sometimes God would not bring the rain. God's judgment would come upon the people. And the drought would lead to famine, and famine would lead to starvation, and the people were forced to seek God in repentance and faith, or seek relief some other way. Sometimes the people would look to the gods of Canaan, to Baal, the storm god, or to Asherah, the fertility goddess. And sometimes the people would just run away to the countries around Israel. I've learned something over life, (laughs) in the Christian life. If you start running, you run one place, you end up running another. If you start running, that's a terrible place to be. It's far better to stay where God puts you and trust God where God puts you than to start running and try to take care of yourself. But Elimelech, Naomi's husband, chooses to run. He leaves his home in Bethlehem. He leaves his home in the land of Israel. He sojourns to the land of Moab. Elimelech's plan was to stay a short while. He would wait until God brought rain, and then he would return back home. But he remained there with his wife and kids for a long, long time. The months became years, and Elimelech makes no effort to return to his home and to his God. Testing is part of every believer's life. It's dangerous to run from testing. We want to run. It's dangerous to run. If we find ourselves running, we will keep on running, and we never know how far we can run from the will and purpose of God. It's dangerous to run. It's dangerous to seek relief from the struggles that God brings our way. Very often, God just says, walk through them. We want to run. God says, walk through them. We want to see, God says, walk through them. And then, you know, we, we may make some really bad, bad mistakes when we are running from God. And we can place ourselves in really bad, bad situations when we're running from God. And we can even make our lives a mess when we're running from God. And Elimelech had the mindset of taking care of himself Elimelech had the mindset of self-sufficiency, and Wyoming people do not have the mindset of self-sufficiency, I know, and Wyoming people never think that they can take care of themselves, I know, yes we do. And we can find ourselves making plans, and we can find ourselves trying to follow through with plans to take care of myself, and we become self-sufficient. And God does have to bust us up sometimes when we become self-sufficient, but Elimelech was trying to take care of himself and solve things himself rather than trusting God. And when we look at this book, this short book, Elimelech seems to be a person who has little concern for God. He seems to be a person who does not listen to God. He seems to be a person who does not obey God. And he seems to be a person who tries to take care of himself. And so he finds himself in Moab. But the truth of Scripture, from beginning to end, it's better to endure famine in the land of Canaan, in the place that God puts us, than it is to try to enjoy plenty in the land of Moab when we are running from the problems and we are running from stresses and we are running from testings and we are basically telling God, I'll take care of myself. You guys have never thought that. I have. You guys have never taken some actions that way. I have. I've been at a few times in my life to where, God, you can't take care of me. I got to take care of myself. And, uh, That's not a good place to be because we find ourselves running from the will and the purpose of God. You know, it's better to... face famine in the land of Canaan in the will and purpose of God than it is to enjoy plenty in the land of Moab when we are tempted by the gods of Moab and we begin to blend in with the people of Moab and we begin to take part in the sins of Moab and we begin to forget that the Lord is our God and we are to obey him above everything else Naomi follows her husband to Moab Elimelech was seeking relief from famine, and and Naomi is seeking relief from famine. But in seeking relief, they experienced trouble. Now, not every crisis is an act of God's judgment. Sometimes we don't know why we suffer. Sometimes suffering comes, and God doesn't show us why we suffer. Sometimes we don't know, sometimes we do. And so when we look at other people, we better be careful when we watch others suffer, and we better be slow to pass judgment when we watch others suffer. We can find ourselves like Job's friends, condemning the innocent and deserving God's wrath ourselves by by looking at others. But sometimes we do suffer through no fault of our own. God is testing us. God is growing us. God is giving us opportunities to share our testimony with people who need our testimony and I have found in times of testing very often in times of testing God brings people around me that I can help and you have discovered exactly the same thing but sometimes we suffer because of sin and I do believe in this family Elimelech's family that suffering does come because of sin and Elimelech dies and leaves Naomi behind By running from the famine, and by leaving the land of Israel, and by bringing his wife and family to Moab, he seems to have placed himself outside the will of God. He seems to have opened himself to God's judgment. You know, it does seem that he has little place in his life for God, and he would die far from home, and he would be buried in the land of Moab. Naomi has lost her husband. She was a widow in a foreign land, but she still had her sons. Elimelech had sought relief by sojourning in Moab. Naomi seeks relief by marrying her sons to women of Moab, to Orpah and to Ruth. And when you study the Old Testament, you find that God warned Israel from intermarriage and marrying with the people around them. And it was, it was religious, not racial. It was the Moabites served a false god. And the danger was that the family got caught up in deserving that false God. And the danger was that the, the memory of, of their true God, Yahweh, that would be lost on the children, and on the grandchildren, and, and the people would just no longer fellowship with the people of God. And the people would no longer remember uh, the the truth about the people of God. And they would go their own way serving other gods. That's why God told them not to intermarry. You know, the pagan wives and husbands worshipped other gods. And the pagan wives and husbands would turn Israel away from God. I've learned something about golf. And I used to call myself a golfer. I don't anymore. Every now and again, I'll hold the club and look like I'm leaning on it like a golfer, but that's about all I can do. But I I learned when I played golf, when I make a bad shot, I sometimes make another bad shot trying to straighten out the first bad shot. And if you guys have golfed, you know that happens over and over again. Blessed is the golfer who knows to just hit it back into the fairway instead of trying to make the miraculous shot. But what we find is the same thing is true with life. When we make a bad decision, sometimes we make another bad decision, trying to straighten out the first bad decision, and we can find ourselves, you know, in the deep, deep rough. We can even find ourselves in the hazard if we have that mindset uh, in life. But, you know, I've learned about life that bad choices lead to other bad choices. And we never know how far we can fall. And ain't Naomi's sons were in danger of worshiping the gods of Moab. And Naomi's grandchildren were in danger of worshiping the gods of Moab. And Naomi's descendants were in danger of settling down in Moab and making Chemosh their god and making Moab their home. Their descendants were in danger of losing their faith in the true God and losing their place in Israel. Elimelech had put them in a very bad place. And now Naomi was putting her sons in a very bad place. So Naomi experiences trouble once again. She had lost her husband. Now she loses her sons. Malon and Killian die in Moab. We have some safety nets in our culture, but there was nothing worse than being a widow without sons in the ancient world. No money, no family, no standing, no hope, living where nobody else wanted to live and eating what nobody else wanted to eat and all alone in a a man's world. And young women of that day could dream of another husband. For older women in that day, the dream was gone. For Naomi, the dream seemed gone for good. Her husband was gone. Her children were gone. Her hope for grandchildren seemed gone. And her hope to retain her inheritance in Israel seemed gone. Every one of her dreams is crashed. She is at the place where she feels she has nothing to live for. She is at the place where she feels that she has absolutely no hope. She had lost everything except her God. And a young Moabite woman who was beginning to trust in her God. When I was a little boy, we used to sing a hymn. And some of you know this hymn. And I'm not going to try to sing it. I won't do that to you. But uh, the hymn was, I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. The paths of sin, too long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home. I've wasted many precious years. Now I'm coming home. I now repent with bitter tears. Lord, I'm coming home, coming home, coming home. Nevermore to roam. Open wide thine arms of love. Lord, I'm coming home. I grew up in a pastor's home. I I went to church all the time. And I can remember as a little kid looking around at people when they were singing songs. And I can remember thinking, I've wasted many precious years. I mean, as a five-year-old, that doesn't compute. Um, I, but I saw people crying. I saw people that were just decimated in, in a sense by the song. And when you studied their life, you re- recognized they had wasted a lot of years, and they had let sin dominate their lives. And they were coming to a point in life where this song struck a chord. I didn't understand it when I was five, six, seven, or ten. But now I I, I think I do understand it as I look out on the people of our community and the people of our country and the people around the world. Bodies destroyed because of sin. Careers destroyed because of sin. Families destroyed because of sin. Ministries destroyed because of sin. If you keep up with the Christian world, you find that minister after minister destroying themselves with sin. Communities destroyed because of sin. And countries destroyed because of sin. People who've made a mess of things, and people who feel there's no hope. Now, maybe you've been there, you've made a mess of things. Maybe you are there, you feel like you've made a mess of things. And sometimes you feel that you have no hope, that you've gone too far that there's no hope for returning to God and there's no hope for the future and we're just at the end of it. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and sometimes we, try, we, we, we sometimes we try to convince ourselves that God can't love us and sometimes we try to convince ourselves that God can't take the bad and start making some good out of it. That's where Naomi was. She was just flat out worn out And destroyed because of sin. Once again, she seeks relief in verses six and seven. Moab had once seemed to offer a great deal. Moab Moab had nothing to offer now. So Naomi makes her plans to go back home. We read verse six. She arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and giving them food. And verse 7, so she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. You know, years ago, I used to get caught up in the Hartwell, Georgia Christmas parade. They would hold it on Sunday afternoon, and I would be going back to school on Sunday uh, afternoon, and I got caught up in this stupid Christmas parade year after year after year. And I didn't know but one way to go through Hartwell, Georgia, and that was the way that the Christmas parade went through Hartwell, Georgia. And being the very patient and easygoing fellow I am, it did not stress me out a bit. Uh, No, it stressed me out big time. And I found myself just getting frustrated. Why Why do you hold this Christmas parade? And a couple of times I decided I'd take care of myself. I would go around. And then I would go around and I would take a road that dead-ended in Lake Hartwell. I did that two years in a row, dead-ended in Lake Hartwell. And then I said to myself, Fred, you've just wasted 15 or 16 miles, and you've just wasted about 30 minutes, and uh, it's going to take you that same amount of time to get back, and it's just very, very frustrating. But I had a choice. I could, you know, run into Lake Hartwell and drown, I suppose, or I could turn around and go back. You know what repentance is? It's coming to the place where we recognize that our way is all screwed up and our way is destroying us and where we come before God and we say, God, I got to turn around and go back. We turn from sin. We turn from self-sufficiency. We seek God's grace. We seek God's forgiveness and God forgives. Now, God does not straighten out all the mistakes we've ever made. God does not make our life what it might have been if we had not made all those mistakes. But I do promise you one thing, God does forgive. And God can take a mess and make it good. Naomi was to the point, her only hope was God. And so she decides, well, Moab's got no place for me. I'm going to go back to the people of God. I'm going to go back to the place of God. And so she packs up her bags, what little she had, And she starts out with her two daughters in law and she starts to go back. And then, you know, if you've been paying really close attention, you may have picked up my outline seeking relief, experiencing trouble, seeking relief, experiencing trouble, seeking relief, expecting trouble. Naomi is in the rut, seeking relief, experiencing trouble. Seeking relief, experiencing trouble. Seeking relief, expecting trouble. I'm never going to get out of trouble. But she makes plans to go back home. And she's expecting trouble when she makes plans to go back home. All of her other plans had just come crashing down. Why should these plans be any different? Naomi tells Orpah and Ruth to go back home to their people and to their God. She assures them that she has nothing to offer. She's got no husband. She's got no sons. She's got no hope for the future. She's experiencing God's judgment. She will always experience God's judgment, and she will never have another chance to be happy or secure. She says this, you, you're better off without me. God's got it in for me. I'll never be happy again. And if you hang out with me, you'll never be happy either. And you know, humanly speaking, Naomi was right. Humanly speaking, she had nothing to look forward to. She couldn't bring her husband back. She couldn't bring her sons back. In that culture, she was too old to to, to remarry. And certainly in that culture, she was too old to have children and all that remained for her was death and she might as well go back home to die but you know God had something left for Naomi something that only he could provide a daughter-in-law who loved her a son-in-law who would provide for her a baby boy who would carry on the family name and a special place in Israel's history our story concludes with finding relief. Remember it started out with seeking relief. It's going to conclude with finding relief. Naomi had sought relief in so many places and now she found relief in the will and the purpose of God. And the daughters-in-law make their choices. We would sometimes, you know, we we gloss over this both of them made choices. Orpah made a choice. And Ruth made a choice. Orpah's choice took her away from God, the true God. Ruth's choice took took her toward the true God. Orpah goes back to her family, to her people, to her gods, to the hope of remarriage to a Moabite woman, a Moabite man, to the hope of children in a Moabite home. Orpah goes back. She chooses the familiar above the unfamiliar, the earthly above the heavenly, and the immediate above the eternal. There's nobody in our culture that do that. I know. The familiar above the unfamiliar, the earthly above the heavenly, the, the, the immediate above the eternal. She makes the logical choice to go back home. In reality, she probably fulfilled her dreams. She got what she really wanted, but she lost out on what is truly important a place in God's earthly kingdom, and a place in God's heavenly kingdom. And I'm sure today, I believe with all my heart, that that Orpah is still looking back at that choice and saying, why did I take the immediate above the eternal? Why did I take what was familiar above what was truly important in life? But Ruth refuses to leave. And she utters some of the most courageous words in all of Scripture. Oh, we tend to look at military guys for courage, and they are courageous. You know, we, we tend to look at, at at police officers for courage, and they are courageous. We we tend to look uh, overlook the courage of, of of Ruth's words. Where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God. My God, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. She was looking to a life of poverty, but she would rather be in poverty with the people of God than. Go back and have plenty in the people of the world. And so how many of us would trust Yahweh, the God of Israel, with our closest family member trying to stop us? And how many of us would trust Yahweh, the God of Israel, when it seemed that Yahweh was against us? And how many of us would trust Yahweh, the God of Israel, when it seemed that we had nothing to gain and everything to lose? But Ruth believed. She turned from the God of Moab, and she turned to the God of Israel And the rest is history. We read about it. A wonderful husband, Boaz. A wonderful son, Obed. A wonderful grandson, Jesse. A wonderful great-grandson, David. And a wonderful place in Messiah's family tree. She made the choice. God rewarded the choice. You know, the story story of Ruth is one of the most wonderful in all the Bible, and the message of Ruth is one of the most wonderful in all the Bible. God's grace brings forgiveness, and God's grace brings blessing. And Ruth's faith put her in God's Hall of Fame as one of the truly great people in Scripture. Ruth never knew that she would find a place in Scripture Ruth never knew that a book of the Bible would bear her name. And Ruth never knew that generations of little girls would be proud to have her name. She just knew that Yahweh, the God of Israel, was the true God. And that she wanted to serve that God more than anything else in life or death. Years ago, I ran across the Narnia Tales by C.S. Lewis. And um, I wish I had seen those when I was a child. But I discovered him as an old man, and I, I have read them and reread them and read them. Um, and I love the, the picture of Jesus Christ in, in, in those books. Aslan, the lion, is the picture of Jesus Christ in those books. And C.S. Lewis pictures Jesus all through that series in some wonderful ways. And, um, you know, Mr. Beaver is trying to describe to Susan... Who Aslan is. Mr. Beaver says Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I still feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course, he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. Our God is good. Our God is not safe. I've learned that through, you know, I started, I guess, vocational ministry back in 1979. You guys can figure out the years, but that was a long, long time ago. And God has always taken wonderful care of me, He's never left me. But there were times it wasn't safe. There were times that I just wanted to run. And we find here that Ruth was a person who did not change choose the safe. If she had chosen the safe, she would have gone back to her mom and dad. If she had chosen the safe, she would have gone back to Chemosh, the god of Moab. If she had chosen the safe, she would have never experienced the blessings of the true God. And remember as we started, our security's found wh- where In God. Not in anything else. And the older we get, we begin to recognise that all the plans we make, well, that didn't make us secure. All of the ways we tried to figure everything out, that that didn't make us secure. All of the independent streaks and self sufficiencies that we have, that doesn't make anything secure. When we look back, we find that we're in charge of very little or nothing in this world, that we're totally dependent on God, and He is the only security that we have. Sometimes it takes a while to figure that out, but every now and again, you'll be reading a passage of Scripture, and the Holy Spirit will say, I was there. I was there. I was there. I was there. I made it work. I made it work. I made it work. I made it work. work. It wasn't your great plans, and it wasn't your great ability. It was me all along the way. And so we start out with seeking security in the wrong way, and we move on to finding security in the right way. And Naomi discovers a lesson that God was there all the time. And Naomi discovers a lesson that Ruth was far better to her than than ten sons Naomi discovers that being in the will and purpose of God is actually a wonderful place to be God is not safe and when he calls he doesn't call you to safety when he calls he calls you to a life that's a wonderful life but at times you wonder God how could you have done that to me and then God says I'm with you you know he takes us To places we never dreamed that we would go. And He takes us to places that sometimes we never wanted to go. And He takes us to places that sometimes we would get away from if we could. But we can be certain that wherever our God takes us, He is good. And we can be certain that wherever our God takes us, He is King. And we can be certain that wherever our God takes us, we do not go alone. He is with us every step of the way. Lord, we do thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture. We do thank you that we can learn your message as we discover and study these lives. And Lord, there's somebody here today making choices and they're at the point they're going to depend on themselves and do what they think is best and minimize your influence in their lives. Lord, I do pray that you would show them to trust you and obey you. And Lord, there's probably somebody here who who's making a choice about who Jesus is and what salvation is all about. Lord, help them to be like Ruth and not like Orpah and make the choice, the eternal choice. And Lord, maybe somebody here is making a choice about ministry. Maybe you're pulling and tugging on their hearts and telling them to surrender to ministry, to surrender to living a life trusting you and serving you in in some kind of Uh, vocational way. Lord, help them to make the right choice and not choose the selfish. And we thank you that you love us, and we thank you that you're with us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you, brother.
2: We'll be doing the Lord's Supper now. Uh, so if I could have the men come forward to help with that. In Colossians chapter 1, <clears throat> Paul mentions that it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him that is in Christ, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross the blood of Christ brought peace there was uh, enmity or uh, conflict between man and God because of sin yet through Christ we have forgiveness of sins he's reconciled us to himself let's spend some time just contemplating what God has done for you and me Let's contemplate the cross this morning. Spend a few moments praying, uh, uh, drawing near to God, and thanking God for what he's done. And then I'll pray. Father for bringing peace through Jesus Christ through his blood blood shed on the cross we have peace with God Father thank you for the good word this morning about Ruth she made the right choice she came to Christ she found faith in God Father this morning we just draw near to you confess that we're not all that we should be we confess that uh, sometimes sin is there yet in Christ we have salvation Father cleanse us cleanse us through the blood of Christ Lord you're so good to us I just thank you for your body that was broken for us that we would recognize how great you are and that salvation is only found through Jesus Christ bless our time of the Lord's Supper now I pray in Jesus name Amen Passover, Jesus took some bread and after blessing it he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat this is my body broken for you let's eat, let's eat together Jerry, would you give thanks for the blood of Christ now? Father, we do thank you
0: for this great gift, so undeserved and yet so graciously given. Lord Jesus, you you gave your life for us. Thank you for shedding
2: your blood, and we give you the thanks and praise in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Let's take the cup together. Jesus said, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Praise be to God. In Revelation 5, verses 8 and following, it says, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. May God get all the glory. Thank you for Jesus. Let's pray and close our time together. Father, we're just so privileged to be saved, to have be under the blood of Christ that washes every sin away. You've made us clean in Jesus. Our only hope, our only peace is in him. Father, go with your church. May we just be excited to serve you throughout the week, because we're saved. We've been, we've been transformed by the blood of Christ. May you get all the glory. We're just so grateful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Go in peace.